We're going to finish up our series today on the um, praying the Lord's Prayer. And uh, so I know it's been a, quite a journey, and we've only even scratched the topic of prayer. Um, it, there's so much more, so much more to prayer. And um, I, I'm thinking that maybe over time we'll, we'll jump into it again. But um, I, I hope that as we've gone through this, that you are learning how to pray a little bit differently. I'm not saying you were praying wrong. I'm just saying that there's always a, an improvement to our prayer life, I'm assuming. I know I have for me. I'm just speaking personally. But I'm learning how to uh, keep the Lord's intention in mind. Maybe that's the best way to put it. Praying His will. Praying the things that He wants me to pray about. Not just me regurgitating my desires and my needs and all this other stuff, but truly, truly learning how to pray in a way that uh, He wants me to learn about. And He wants me to receive some things so he will tell me what i should pray about and some things so that's really good but today i want to recognize the fact that this whole series started off with praise our father which art in heaven hallowed be thy name that's a praising time and then it goes through a number of things that in our daily lives and forgiveness and temptation and evil and all that good stuff and it really as you pray through the lord's prayer you will realize that it hits every facet of your life I mean, not one, there's not one thing left out of your life when you really pray the Lord's Prayer, from health and strength to daily provision to food to jobs to security to relationships to forgiveness. I mean, it, it's all covered in that. And then we end up, again, at a time of praise and worship. And so one thing I, I was thinking about as, as I was thinking about how to teach about this today is that I'm wondering if we really spend enough time recognizing what praise and worship is. Do we really praise and worship God enough? Do we understand the significance of what it means to praise God? Do we really know that this morning? And I am not in any way dishonoring you by asking the questions. I'm just asking it because I, I just want to ask the question. <laughs> do we truly understand what it means to praise and worship the Lord? And do we recognize whose presence we're in when we do that? Do we recognize truly who God is? I mean, honoring him as the most high, the all-powerful, the creator of all things. I mean, God is, is beyond our wildest imagination, and yet we get to come under his presence as weak, meek, little people. Um, we get to come into the presence of God, and he loves it when we come into his presence. He knows us. He knows our situation. He knows your name, and he loves you. He really loves you. He loves us. And we get to come into that. So I just wondered if we really get it, if we can really put into words what happens when we spend time praising God. I don't think we can really put into words. I know the psalmist and throughout Scripture, we're going to read some areas today about how they worship the Lord. And, and I think even then they had a hard time putting into words. And here's some things that I wonder if we truly would recognize that this morning. You know, it would just, praise would just burst out of a church. It would just burst out of us. If we truly recognized who we're worshiping, we wouldn't have a problem getting into an, heart, an attitude of praise and worship. Sometimes I think we, we spoke about it in the Sunday school class this morning that Max taught about the deceptive power of the enemy, how he can delude us and, and deceive us and and, you know, I think sometimes he th the enemy, because we allow it to happen, he throws a veil over our, 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 over our eyes 
as to who are we really worshiping. And sometimes we allow him to distract us from truly worshiping the Lord. But, you know, it's an exhilarating experience when we find that sweet spot. When we find that, that place where we are just in the presence of the Lord and it's just he and I and we're worshiping him and we're recognizing his authority, there is such a freedom there. There's such an experience you can't even begin to explain it how you feel when you get into the presence of the Lord that way. And I, I will say this up front. I, I would say that this is a, a, good, um, a good signal or a good indicator. If, if a person is having a hard time finding that sweet spot, if they're having a hard time even finding a desire to have that sweet spot, that should be a real indicator that there's something wrong there's something wrong in my spirit if I don't have a desire to worship God. Now hear me, because I don't want anybody to be, um, miss this point. I think it's very important. Uh, I, I don't mean this to be insulting or condemning at all, but I'm just saying that it's a, it's a good indicator. Where is my heart? If I don't have a desire to praise the Lord now, why will I think I will have a desire to praise Him in heaven? I mean... If I don't have an overall desire to praise God today, then what, what's going to change when I die? Do, do you know what I'm saying? There, there has to be something here now if I'm ever going to have that opportunity to worship him in heaven. So that would be a clear indicator that maybe I'm under the veil. If I'm, if I'm having a problem understanding the necessity and why I should praise the Lord now, then maybe I have to work to get out from outside of the, de the devil's influence. Maybe there's some things not right in my heart. So that's just a good indicator, okay? If you're having a struggle, now I know there are days when you're not going to feel like it. I understand that. But I'm talking about your overall attitude, your overall um, desire. Man, if I don't look at God in awe and reverence and see a, re see a, a purpose and a reason for me to worship him, then I will say there's something wrong with your relationship, and now is the time to get it straight. Now is the time to deal with it right now. So just keep that in the back of your mind as we proceed, as we are finishing up this Lord's Prayer. Let's, uh, let's stand today and let's pray it again as we've been doing for the last number of weeks. And let's just pray the Lord's Prayer this morning and invite His presence with us as we pray it. Pray it with me out loud, if you will. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Father, now we just declare that this morning as our prayer. Lord, that we are praising you and we are, we are lifting you up above all situations in our life today. So, Father, I pray that you would just open our hearts one more time, learning a little bit more about what it means to praise you and to adore you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. So I want to talk about the second half of verse 13. What does it really mean when we say, For thine is the kingdom and the power, and the glory forever. What does it mean? 
There's a, those are words that we can speak relatively easily. They come off the tongue pretty easy. But do we truly understand kingdom, power, and glory? Kingdom, power, and glory. Yeah. We see King David in his last prayer as recorded in the, first, in the book of First Chronicles as he was ending his reignship and turning it over to King, his son Solomon. We see David, I think, having a good understanding of what it means to praise God and to honor God that way. First uh, Chronicles chapter 29, verses 10 through 13. This is out of the Living Bible Translation, so you know. It says, While still in the presence of the whole assembly, David expressed his praises to the Lord. O Lord God of our father Israel, praise your name forever and ever. Yours is the mighty power and glory and victory and majesty. Everything in the heavens and earth is yours. O Lord, and this is your kingdom. We adore you as being in control of everything. Riches and honor come from you alone, and you are the ruler of all mankind. Your hand controls power and might, and it is at your discretion that men are made great and given strength. O oh, our God, we thank you and praise your glorious name. Amen. Could you say it any better? I mean, can you just hear the heart of a thankful king here, King David, just declaring the praises of God? And how worthy he is of all things. And I read this numerous times thinking, man, what could I say to make it any more powerful? Because I believe that our human words just can't quite grasp it. We, there aren't words that we know that can truly honor God as to who he really is. I, I cannot wait when we can finally walk in heaven and see God for who he is. Try to grasp it. Try to see everything that he is, the colors, the sounds, the smells, the, the tastes that we're going to experience in heaven. Remember, this is, earth is a beautiful place, and it's a grand place, and he made it beautifully. But it's just a shadow of what heaven is. Heaven is going to be so, so amazing, so beyond our description. And that is exactly what God is. God is so beyond our description, and he's so worthy of our praise. He's so worthy of us to think about him in a way that says, God, you're so good. I mean, you're so cool. Whatever the word is, how, how can you describe it any better? I don't know. But he truly is worthy. So let's break down the kingdom and the glory and the power, and let's talk about these a little bit and try to understand a little bit more. When we say, for thine is the kingdom, we're speaking of something we've already spoken about in the Lord's Prayer because we've already spoken of that his kingdom would come, his will be done in earth as it is in heaven. So when you think of kingdoms, what do you think of? Well, there's an earthly kingdom and there's a heavenly kingdom. Every kingdom needs a king. Every kingdom needs a leader. And so what Jesus is trying to teach us here is talking about kingdoms is, is we want to appreciate the earthly kingdom for what it is. And this prayer is saying we want to have God's kingdom come to earth and exercise everything in this earth what is being exercised in heaven. Now, that's a mouthful right there. But we, rest, we, we need to recognize that there's some differences here between earthly kingdoms and heavenly kingdoms. The, the, the two differences I, that, that I can see you know, offhand without going into much more depth, that the first thing that comes to mind when I think about an earthly kingdom is that the kingdom of mankind is fleeting and it doesn't last very long. 
In, f- in fact, if you go back and look at history, all the history of all the kingdoms of government, they don't last. I mean, the Roman kingdom, as big as it was and as powerful as it was, that was a kingdom that controlled all the world. It had an ending to it. Think about any, every political regime that's ever been in the past, and none of them have lasted forever. I mean, America, what, we're just over 200 years old, and we're already starting to see the spiral of decay. You know, we think that we're going to last forever, but, you know, maybe if we would have stayed righteous, maybe if we would have stayed uh, based upon our, our virtues of the, our, our founding fathers, maybe we would have had a much better chance. But because we've allowed evil and to the Satan's rule to creep in and to the corrupt that's going on, that we're, we're seeing an end. I'm not prophesying an end to America, but, you know, if God, if God doesn't come back for another thousand years, I've got to wonder where America's going to be because we will have an ending too. That's, the, that's one of the things that happens with earthly kingdoms. They, they have an end, and then also the second thing I recognize is that man-made kingdoms is they're flawed. We start off good, but then we end up with corruption. And most of the kingdoms that have failed have failed from within. Most of them have crumbled. They've, they've, they've caved in on themselves rather than been conquered. Now, sir, there's been conquerors and there's been all the Napoleons and all that stuff like that. But, but I think most kingdoms fail from within. And even looking at the American family, uh, we're failing from within. In fact, I think uh, the, the, the biggest strategy of Russia was to not necessarily in the Cold War days, and maybe it's coming back again, I'm not so sure, but they're probably not going to, their strategy wasn't to capture us from the outside, but it was destroy us from within. Destroy the family. Destroy our foundation and we'll crumble. So the kingdoms that we have here are fleeting and they're flawed. And when I compare that to a heavenly kingdom, in fact, the only kingdom, kingdom that is both eternal and without flaw is the kingdom of God. God's kingdom will last forever and ever and ever, and it is not flawed in any way, shape, or form. It is perfect. God's kingdom is a perfect kingdom. So his heavenly kingdom that we see, um, if, we could, if we could get a glimpse of it, there would be no questioning of God's authority in heaven. The angels don't, when they get a command, they don't say why. They just say, okay. And they do it. And they go. And they perform. There is no uh, democracy in heaven. Heaven is a theocracy. It is, it is God's word and God's word alone. It is not, okay, let's vote on it. Let's see who's got the best idea. No, let's just recognize that God has the best idea, right? I mean, he created this world with a word. I think he can figure out how to rule it. And I think if we trust him and give him that authority, his heavenly kingdom on earth, and I think that as we talked about it, we talked about our kingdom here is not just the political structure of America and of this world, but it's the kingdom of my life. It's me. It's, it's, it's the flesh man in me. I need to surrender my kingdom to God. And when I surrender that, I now am on the path of redemption and I'm on a path of eternity because I've surrendered my kingdom to God. So we're declaring that God's in charge and he's in perfect order. And it really is the, the best way to go. You know, there's something, there's something weird about us because 
we want to have authority and be in charge most of the time, don't we? Most of the time, we want to be in charge. But as soon as it goes sideways, we want to blame somebody else. <laughs> as soon as it goes like it didn't go the way I wanted it to go, I, I'm not so much, I'm not want to be in charge so much anymore. I want to blame somebody else. But when we surrender our controlling nature to the Lord, and when we surrender ourselves to His kingdom, and then we can surrender the pressure of the outcome to Him as well. Trust Him that He does have everything under His control. Trust Him for the peace that comes that we don't understand where it comes from because I'm not in control of it. And I can then trust him. I can trust his kingdom to be the perfect kingdom. And that's what I want. That's what we want. We want his kingdom to come into this church. We want his kingdom to come into our families so we can then trust him with all the peace that comes with that. And then it says, thine the power. The power of God. Not only does God have the authority of being the ultimate king of his eternal kingdom, but he also has the power to go along with it. He has the ability to, to do what he says he can do. That's pretty amazing. That's different than me. I might say I can do everything, but I don't have the power. I mean, we have people, political people, that will say they will accomplish great things, but in reality, they don't have the power to accomplish it. But God does. God says, let there be light, there was light. Let there be life, there was life. God has the ability to do what he says without question. His power is evident to all of those that would see it. All creation is his and everything. He puts everything in order and he holds everything together. Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 through 18. The sun is the image of the environment of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. Did we leave anything out? What's the word all mean? All. Everything created was created by him and for him. Without any exception, there's no caveat here. God created it all. And he is in the ability, he has the power to sustain it all. That's the thing that should give us peace. Do you want peace? And trust him. Trust him as the one that puts it all in place. Trust him as the provider and the sustainer. This is really important for us to understand because there's nothing outside of the scope and the love and the protection and the authority of God in our lives. No matter what's going on in your life, no matter if you're sick or your financial situation's a little bit wacky, you know, as you surrender that, the key thing here is this. The key thing is I need to surrender it. If I'm, if I'm having a hard time financially, you know, let's just, if, if, if my credit cards are over-limited out, you know what I need to do? Number one, stop spending. <laughs> Surrender it to God. Surrender it, but I need to be able to then submit then under his authority. I need to be able to submit under his direction. If I'm having a hard time um, with my paying my bills, then recognize that maybe I need to take some things back. 
Maybe I need to return some things to the store. Maybe I really didn't need that thing. Okay, I mean, so there are some things that we need to do in our surrendering to him. If I'm having a hard time with overweightness, maybe I should stop eating so much. You know, whatever it is. I mean, the whole thing is we do have some responsibility as we surrender to him. What that means is that we're now doing the things that are right. It, it makes sense, doesn't it? Thank you. I'm glad that you agreed that it makes sense because I was starting to get into somebody's knickers there and I wanted to get out of there pretty quick. <laughs> All right. The other thing I think is that we, we need to recognize that when we come into the, the throne room of heaven, that sometimes we can become too casual in relationships. Do you know what I mean? I, I can get to know you so casually. Let me give you an example. Jim Jensen. When I was a, in high school, it was Mr. Jensen to me because he was my chemistry teacher and my science teacher. And I'm 59 years old, and he's just a little bit older than I am. I'm not going to say that he's whatever age he is, but he's just a little bit older to me. But, you know, I still have a hard time calling him Jim because to me he's still Mr. Jensen. Because, but as I develop a relationship with him, I'm getting more comfortable with him, right? But I don't want so to get so comfortable and so casual that I lose my respect for Mr. Jensen because he taught me some things and he had that place of authority in my life and I need to honor that. You know, and with parents, you know, we, we, can, we can lose respect for our parents. We can lose that honoring of our parents that we need to have. Just because we get to know somebody doesn't mean we, could be, we get to be too casual with them. And how often that happens with God. We start to get a relationship with him and we start to lose the fear, the reverence, of what he deserves because he truly does deserve our reverence yes I, he's my dad and he calls me son but he still has all the authority he still has all the power he still has everything in his hand and i am just one of billions but yet I have to make, make sure I, I don't lose that respect. You know what I'm saying? You see how we can, we can get a little bit maybe too disrespectful? That's kind of what we talked about in praise and worship, that sometimes when I'm not feeling good, I'm thinking that God's not feeling good either. Well, God always feels good. And, and I can always go to him, and I should always recognize that he is worthy to be praised no matter what's going on in my life. No matter where I struggle, he's never struggling. He never struggles. He always knows the answer. Uh, maybe I just need to learn how to trust him more in that answer. The writer of Hebrews gives us a good viewpoint of Christ's power and position of authority that we need to maintain. Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, which is what we're living in right now, but in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things. And through him also he made the universe. That, so again, he's establishing who his authority is. He made the universe. The sun, verse 3, the sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, that's God, sustaining all things by his powerful word. Not only did he create it with the word, but he's sustaining it by his word. After he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. So he, Jesus, became as much superior to the angels as the name he has, in, has inherited is superior to theirs. So let's never 
get disrespectful to who Jesus is. Yes, he loves me, and yes, we have relationship, but let's, let's maintain the fear of him, the reverence of who he is. The name of Jesus is above all names ever given, and all authority is given to him. All authority is so we come in respectful fear, yet we can come to him with a boldness and a confidence that he will receive us into his throne room of mercy and grace. There's that, you know, the Bible is full of so many of those fine lines of walking right on the line is one is disrespectful and one is coming with boldness. You know, I have to respect him, but at the same time, he says, come into the, his throne room with boldness and confidence, knowing that he loves you and he wants to take care of you but I come fearfully, <laughs> yet I'm bold. <laughs> there is that, that fine line of, of where we're at here. And, and I think that if we recognize that everything starts with the fear of the Lord, everything starts with the fear of the Lord. This is the beginning of having a proper relationship with him. Psalm 33, 8, let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the people of the world revere him. Psalm 8, verses 18, 18 through 20, but the eyes of the Lord are on those who do what? Who fear him. The eyes of the Lord are on those who fear him, on those whose hope is in his unfailing love. To deliver them from death and to keep them alive in famine, we wait in hope for our, the Lord who is our help and shield. Psalm 34, verses 7 through 11, the angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him. And he delivers them. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. Fear the Lord, you his holy people, for those who fear him lack nothing. The lions may grow weak and hungry, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Come, my children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Do you see how significant it is that we respect the power of the Lord? We respect him and we fear him, yet we come boldly into his presence. Hebrews chapter 4, verses four, uh, chapter 4, verses 14 through 16. Jesus, the Son of God, is our great high priest who has gone to heaven itself to help us. <laughs> Jesus is in heaven not to escape us, but to help us. That's pretty amazing that God created a place for Jesus to sit at his right hand to make intercession for us to help us. All right? Therefore, let us never stop trusting him. This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses since he had the same temptations we do, though he never once gave way to them, and he never sinned. So, verse 16, So let us come boldly to the very throne of God and stay there to receive his mercy and to find grace to help us in our times of need. Let me read that again because this is really important that we recognize what we need to be doing. Let us come boldly to the very throne of God and stay there. Stay there to find grace to help us in a time of need. So how many times do we ask for help and then leave? Stay in his presence. Stay there. Receive it. We talked about this morning in our prayer time. We, God will answer what we will receive. We need to receive it with faith, knowing that he truly wants to meet our needs. But I have to receive it. I don't let the devil come steal this victory from me. Don't let the enemy walk in and say, no, that was just for them. That was a temporary moment. No, this is, this is an eternal moment. 
if God's going to heal me, He's going to heal me eternally. He's going to take care of me eternally. This isn't a temporary pleasure. This is an eternal promise. So we stay there. We receive His mercy and to find grace to help us in our times of need. Great promises here. That's the power that we have through Jesus Christ. That's when we say, thine the power, that's what we're talking about. His power to create and to sustain us. And then he says, thine the glory. Thine the glory. We've already stated very clearly that God is the creator and the sustainer of all things. Therefore, all the glory needs to go to him. All the glory needs to go to him. He's the one that did it all. He's the one that sustains it all. Why should he share glory with anybody? Why should he share glory with me? Why should he? Does this make God seem like an insecure little person? That he's demanding glory? Does that, I mean, see, the devil will make it that way because in our minds, that's the way we think. That's what happens in our human minds. We think that if somebody says, I deserve glory, that's because we're insecure. And we need to have somebody tell us how good we are all the time. That's just because that's the way we think. See, but God deserves it. <laughs> God deserves it. Did you hear me? He deserves it. He's, it's not because he thinks it. It's because he deserves it. Because he is the creator and he is the sustainer of all things. There is nothing that I can do in myself to deserve that. So therefore, I shouldn't think I should have any of the glory. When God heals me, he's healing me through his authority and through his power. Therefore, he gets all the glory. When God provides me with a good job and a nice home and a nice family, he deserves the glory. I didn't do any of that. It's not within me to say I deserve any of that. But he did it. He is the provider for it. Therefore, he should get all the glory for it. See, there isn't a person here that knows how many days we have left. I mean, I could, my, uh, this could be my last breath. I don't know. I can't take glory. I can't take any, any, any credit for my living so therefore, why should I think I should take any glory for it? If I'm that temporary of a person, why should I think I should receive any praise for my weakness? See, God has attributes that he deserves glory for. Let's talk about it. There's five attributes. Number one, he's omniscient. He's omniscient. What does that mean? He knows all things, past, present, and future. There's not one thing that he does not know. Not one thing about the past, about the present, or about the future that is outside of his knowledge. He's omnipresent, meaning that he is able to be in all places at all times. There is no place I can outrun God. There is no place I can go that he doesn't see me. He doesn't know me. He's omnipotent. He is all-powerful. Nothing rivals his power. If you just think about the universe, just think about the planets and the stars and the galaxies and the billions of stars and the fact that it's continuing to expand and he spoke it into existence. Spoke it. And then go down to a, go, go the other way, go down to a, a, a microscope and get into these um, the nucleus and to the atoms and to what's holding this all together. And to think that God is so big to do all that, but yet he's so small to go to the smallest element 
in the atom and the proton and the electron and it keeps it together and it's spinning so fast around each other. Why doesn't it blow apart? But God's got this thing called gravity or he's got this, this power that holds it all together. I mean, it's just beyond our description to think that God can do all that. All-powerful. He's immutable, meaning that he's never changing. He's the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. God never changes. We can't even begin to understand that. Fifth thing, he's eternal. He never had a beginning, and he will never have an ending. Can you even begin to think something that has never had a beginning? God never was a baby God. <laughs> he never had to learn how to walk. He always was all-powerful, immutable, never changing, omnipotent. He's always been all those attributes forever. We can't even begin to comprehend that. I can't begin to comprehend something without a beginning. Here's the thing. He, we're made in the image of God. And here's the thing that we need to grasp. That in the image of God as created, I will never have an ending either. You will never have an ending. Think about this. This is very important. Because where you're going to end up when you ever end up, wherever that is, all depends upon what you're doing today. All depends about what you're doing in this 80 plus years we have in this earth will determine where I'm going to spend forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. I will never have an end. And this is something that we just can't comprehend either. To think that I can be in the presence of God forever and ever and ever and ever. And some people think that's boring. Some people think that's being on a cloud and we're just going to be, we're going to be bored. See the delusion of the devil? The other side of it is we're going to be, if we don't choose that, we will be in hell forever and ever and ever. Punished, hell, fire, brimstone, you know it, outside of the will of God. And again, the devil says, oh, that'll be a party. I'll be down partying with my friends. Believe me, there's no partying in hell. And that's forever as well. So when we can understand the eternity of things, we can then begin to see why God needs to be glorified for everything right? He truly is worth it. He truly is worthy. In this prayer, we pray that his kingdom and his will would be done on earth or in earth as it is in heaven. What's going on in heaven today? What is going on in heaven right now when it comes to glorifying God? I will tell you. Open your Bible to Revelations chapter 4, verses 8 through 11. Each of the four, four living creatures had six wings and was covered with eyes all around, even under its wings. Day and night, they never stopped saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Let's stop just for a second. They never stopped saying it, and they never got bored saying it. They never stopped saying it, and they never got bored saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. 
Verse 9, whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne and who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. They lay their crowns before the throne and they say, you are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things and by your will they were created and have their being. That's happening right now in heaven. They're saying it right now. Holy, holy, holy. And see, this is where I said early on, if we have a hard time praising the Lord, then we need to check our heart. Something's wrong with us. Something's wrong with our relationship. If we can't grasp that we need to be worshiping God right now, then we will not have a desire to worship him when you die. Therefore, you probably, can I say, you probably won't be in heaven. Can I just say that right now so that we know? If we don't have a desire to worship the Lord, there's something wrong with us. Can somebody say amen? Am I right or am I wrong? Thank you. Because I want us to grasp this. I don't want people to think that we're making things up. I want us to understand that if we're going to have the relationship with God that's going to last, it needs to start today. It needs to start right now. Mark chapter 12, verse 30, it says, love the, Lord with, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. So if I can't truly love him like that right now, there's something wrong. And I need to look at that as a signal in my spirit that I better do some work. Great indicator for us that we need to fix our relationship. And that doesn't mean you have to look like anybody else when you worship. I want to make sure that's true. I don't, I'm not trying to say you have to look a certain way, but I do want you to know that you have to have a heart of praise, a heart of worship. Romans chapter 1, verse 22, 25. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that people are without excuse. For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him, but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and they exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like that of a mortal human being and birds and animals and reptiles. Therefore, God gave them over to their sinful desires of their hearts to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another. They exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served created things rather than the creator who is forever praised. Now, why did I read that? I read that because that's what happens when I don't praise the Lord. That's what happens. That God will just give me over to my depravity. See, it's a choice that I need to make. I need to choose to praise Him. I need to be able to choose. You know what? It sounds like Paul's talking to people in the church here too, by the way. He's talking to us. What's my choices today? Where am I at? So Jackie, if you'd come. So I would encourage us to set our hearts and minds on the things that are properly recognizing God's place in our life today. Recognize that the kingdom and the power and the glory truly are go to him and him alone. Worshiping the Lord puts us in our rightful position of submission to the king of kings. Worship is really important. Can I say that? Worship is really important. Because when I worship the Lord, it, it puts me in right relationship with him. 
this is the psalmist talking about praising the Lord. Psalm 148, verse 1, it says, Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise Him in the heights above. Praise Him, all His angels. Praise Him, all His heavenly hosts. Praise Him, sun and moon. Praise Him, all you shining stars. Praise Him, you highest heavens and you waters above the skies. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for at His command they were created, and He established them forever and ever. He issued a decree that will never pass away. Praise the Lord from the earth, you great sea creatures and all ocean depth, lightning and hail, snow and clouds, stormy winds that do His bidding, you mountains and all hills, fruit trees and all cedars, wild animals and all cattle, small creatures and flying birds, kings of the earth and all nations, you princes and rulers on earth, young men and women and old men and children. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for His name alone is exalted. His splendor is above the earth and the heavens, and He has raised up for His people a horn, the praise of all His faithful servants of Israel, the people close to His heart. Praise the Lord. Can we praise Him this morning? We celebrate the life that comes through the blood of Christ. Again, we thank you, Jesus. We thank you for giving your all for us. And Lord, help us to give our all for you. Help us to return the love that you gave to us. Help us, Lord, to receive life, to give life. Help us to forgive others this morning that we need to forgive. Help us to let life shine through us into others. We accept this in Jesus' name. Thank you, Jesus. Let's praise him now. Let's praise him. Let he's do it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Praise your name. Praise your name, Jesus. Father, we just thank you today. and We recognize your authority and your power and your kingship. And Father, we surrender to you today. And we ask you to go with us throughout this day. Go, go with us through our homes. Lord, let this message sink in and settle into our hearts. Let us meditate on it throughout this week. Lord, just have your way in us. We are so thankful. We just want to worship you, Lord. And we just want to take that with us throughout our days ahead. Bless us, we pray as we bless you in Jesus' name. Amen.